Hello and welcome to Dinosaur Man News and Reviews. I'm Andy Hughes. I'm here with Alex Hudson. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, good sir. It's wait. weird. We live in the same house. This shouldn't be the wait, energy, wait, should it? Turn your nose off at me. <laughs> hey, I just want people to know that I care. Well, no, because they know wedding. that you're just doing it for the podcast. Yes, they because d- I was taken so aback by it. They know that that isn't just an everyday occurrence. They don't know that every single. Also, time- I feel like "good sir" feels like it definitely is like a sarcastic thing <laughs> that you would say, like, "Well, how is it with you, good sir?" Like, I don't think you've ever meant "hello, good sir" in a good way. I think you're just seeing things in a negative light. Well, I, 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 I don't think I do without any. I don't think... If you didn't give me the ammunition to see it in a negative light, then I wouldn't see it in a negative light. That's the way I feel. The people who are listening, and mm-hmm. good people with their, with their phones playing this podcast, uh-huh. they don't know that I ignore you for six days out of seven. Just uh, like they do with our podcast. And on the seventh day, I go, hey, 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 you got some news stories for me? Mm-hmm. You better do. You're pretty on a, much it. You're on a deadline. And then we, we record, mm-hmm. and then afterwards, I don't even say thank you. No. I just leave the room. Yeah, that's and true. I, and I see you six days later. Okay. It's the Let's beauty of podcasting, then. guys. It's the beauty of podcasting. It's why it's why, it's why it's always so popping off. <laughs> Would you say we're popping off? What? What? Who's, who's ever said that we are popping off? Would you say our, our energy off? pops and cracks uh, and no. rattles and shakes? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Do you think it does? Oh, it's electric. It's like I our, think people listening to this are like, this is an effort. Our energy could power the grid for 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 a minute. What grid could we power? A hot minute grid and um, national grid. Yes, you reckon? Yeah. You think so? For a hot minute. Well, how hot is the minute? I guess. Oh, nobody's using anything. <laughs> it feels like that's like a cool minute. <laughs> The coldest you can get. What, I could use a cool right now. What is going Welcome on? Welcome to the podcast, guys. We are the only podcast that talks news and reviews. This week, we're going to focus on movie news and TV news, maybe. Yes, some TV news as well. Uh-huh. Um, is there? Mm. Well, TV reviews. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we figured we'd leave the heavy, heavy-hitting news stuff for this week um, of the political spectrum and focus <laughs> mainly on movies. Um what are we going to be reviewing? No today? one ever believes that we talk about anything other than this, right? One day, I'm going to surprise them all. <laughs> all right. All right. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on Israel-Palestine. Whoa, but I would, but I've got to talk about Nice Out too. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I saw you preparing that folder. <laughs> and you said, the world isn't ready for what I have to say. It's like a secondary school geography project, and it has a lot of pictures just saved as from Google. That's right. Um... What are we reviewing today, though, Alex? Black Widow, new in the MCU. Uh, Luca, uh, Pixar's latest movie, and The Tomorrow War, which is on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Also a recurring segment. Wonder Watch. Not that one. Falcon Podge. <laughs> Not that one. What if Wonder? <laughs> we haven't even got to that one. Armor Wars amusements. You're burning through all of your, all your oh, ideas. I'll rethink these ones because that's not a very good one. 
Uh, we've got Loki Lowdown. Yes. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I I was trying to remember if we finish Loki, but no, it, is, it is still one episode left, so it's fallen badly for us. Yeah. Because um, it'd be nice to just get that out of the way now forever. I don't really like <laughs> the theme tune for it. <laughs> well, if we get there, we'll get to those reviews. Before we get to those reviews, we must talk some news. Yeah. Before we talk movie news, let's go down this little alleyway that is Gaming Minute. Okay, Gaming News. Uh, video game collector believes he's found evidence of unreleased SNK Millennium console. I mean, guys, I don't know how to make this shit interesting. <laughs> what, a, what the hell is an SNK? A video game collector yeah. has come across what is believed to be evidence of the SNK Millennium console. What is 20 years... I'm getting to it. Reading the story from Eurogamer.net. Wesley Yinpool. This has been written by... Um, yeah. 20 years after it was rumoured to be in the works. Anthony Bacon, delicious, Ooh. from Chicago, of course, with a name like Bacon, he's going to be from Chicago, <laughs> who we featured multiple times on Eurogamer before. Uh, his um, The most recent news story I found related to him yeah. was he was awarded King Nerd. Oh, imagine that, being King of the Nerds. He was sent a mystery SNK motherboard earlier this year and asked to investigate by his owner. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> What's an SNK? This board had a long journey to Bacon's desk. His friend, Brian Hargrove, why the surnames? Don't need it. (laughs) Brought a lot of SNK motherboards from Yahoo Auctions Japan 15 years ago. Yahoo Auctions. Not having any idea what they were, he sold the board in question to a friend of his called Max. No surname, but be consistent. (laughs) Who five months ago contacted Bacon, aforementioned Anthony, uh, to ask if he could work out what it was. Bacon, who runs a YouTube channel called Video Game Esoterica, investigated and believes that he, the find to be a test PC motherboard for a cancelled console meant to be the SNK successor to the Hyper Neo Geo 64. I don't know any of this. The Hyper Neo Geo 64 was meant to herald SNK's emergence into the new era of 3D gaming emerged in the mid-90s. But guess what? You fucking failed because no one's ever fucking heard of you, SNK. (laughs) These motherfucking losers. Wow. What I got from that story is we should get into Yahoo auctions. Well, what I've got from this story is like... Why the shade against Max? Oh, no. Give him a surname. He's like Shakira. He has one name. I actually think it's Max from the original Mission Impossible. Who's that? Uh, it was Vanessa Redgrave or someone, wasn't it? Maybe. The know. one who Thingy is the daughter of. Vanessa Kirby. Yeah, sure. Not, yeah, sure. I know the movie. <laughs> Max. Yeah. On the train. Yeah. With the download on the fucking... It wasn't a USB stick at that point. It was a floppy disk, no doubt. Awful that you go and see those movies and you think all of your technology is bad. (laughs) (laughs) But they've also got, like, perfect face technology. Yeah. Oh, they did latex really well, Mm -hmm. but they were still using 54K modems. Would it be... Okay. If I gave you the chance. Like, I'm I'm fairly sure at one point during it, he says, I have to go and get better signal. Wait, I'm nearly <laughs> at the roof. If I gave you the opportunity. Mm. Would I remake Mission Impossible? If I, yeah. If I gave... With new technology. Would I, what if I gave you the ability to have somebody else's face for a day, mm. and you know it's perfect, 
would you want that? No. And if so, whose face? No. What purpose does that serve? For one day, you get to be one of a person, but only if you let... Because I imagine it's warm. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, this happens during the height of summer as well. Like, it's warm to wear the face on your oh, face. Oh, yeah. Like, you, you, you're wearing latex in the hot in a hot summer sun. Yeah, but it can't be that sweaty. Otherwise, it will melt the latex. Oh, that's, that's the problem. You're going to have to The glue will come off. Um, you're also in Vegas. <laughs> it's hot desert air. You're wearing latex. Is your but, brain okay? But you get to be someone else for a day. Is your brain okay? Never. And by the way, I've got this mask I need you to wear. <laughs> so I'm glad we don't have that little console. I know anyone in SNK. I know one person's going to be delighted with talking about this. Mr. Bacon? No, one of our listeners who we know listens. Mr. Bacon? If Look, if Matt doesn't know what an SNK millennium is, then he's not really a video game fan, is he? <laughs> he came on the last video game episode because mm-hmm. he is the guy who knows video games. If, new rule, everyone. If you're going to be on the Dinosaur Man 64 episodes, you got to know what SNK millenniums are. Is, that, is this your way of bowing out? <laughs> yeah, I resign from Dinosaur Man 64. Out? I'll still do these ones, but every time you've got a video game one, I'm out. I don't know you, what you You've tried that. this before the SNK story. Yeah, game. I'm <laughs> trying it again. You gotta stay. You're the everyman. <laughs> I wish that I wasn't. Oh, okay. Didn't know about that. Let's... So I'm just adding another story to us to discuss. A prince has given me $2 billion. Um. Wow. <laughs> Look, his man alive. Shall we talk some movie news? Taika Waititi says that Thor Love and Thunder is so wild, it's almost like it shouldn't be made. Oh, that is wild. Oh, fuck me. That is wild. Okay, so, well, just between... This is him speaking to Empire. Well, just between me and you and the readers, I've done some crazy shit in my life. Mm -hmm. I've lived like 10 lifetimes. But it's the craziest film I've ever done. Okay. Yeah, because you can't really make a crazy film for $2 million that's called, what was it? Shark versus Whale? Whale versus Shark? Yeah, Eagle versus Shark. Eagle versus Shark. What am I thinking of? Shark Girl and Lava Boy. Which had a semi, a kind of almost sequel, didn't it? Hey, man. Yeah, the Robert Rodriguez film uh, that came out this year that was set, set in a school. Yeah. Um, is a semi-sequel to Shark Boy and Lava Girl, because I think... We could be heroes. The, yes, I think one of the children is the child of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Mm. So she has, like, the power of both... One of them has the power of heart. I don't know if that's true. Do you want to hear the rest of this Yeah, story? Tell, tell me more about how wild it is. Okay. So Waititi is clarifying that it's crazy, because what he's created shouldn't make sense. So, according to him, if you wrote down all the elements of this film, it shouldn't make sense. It's almost like it shouldn't be made. If you walked into a room and I said, I want to make this and this and this, who's in it? These people. What are you going to call it? Love and Thunder. I mean, you'd never work again. Maybe I won't after this. Jesus fucking Christ, give it a rest. <laughs> he's going to work. It's after- a fucking Thor movie at the end of the day. And he's going to work after this. Because I'm pretty sure he's already got projects already lined up. The Oscar winner okay. didn't just tease why the film was so wild, he also shared a bit of what the fans could expect from the upcoming film. Okay. There'll be more emotion in this film. 
That's wild. Wow. Why? What? I don't even think he can work again after that. How dare he, buddy motion? <laughs> a lot more love and a lot more thunder. What? Thunder in my four movie? You think we're going to give you a paycheck to make this movie? Marvel, I want all my ticket money back, please. What do you think he's put in there that's so wild? I want you to one one wild prediction from you right now of what you think is in this film that is so wild he might not work again. I think it's him. But he's been in films before. Yeah, but now he's in a different role where he's showing his face, we think. Okay. Or maybe oh, maybe he's not because he looks like he's got a lot of dots on his face there. But uh, it's a different pro- outfit than his core. last character. Because he's wearing, like, a new outfit. Okay. But, yeah. Hemsworth looks bigger, is what? He's always looking bigger. There's a picture of, like, him and Tiger Waititi standing next to each other. Mm -hmm. And, like, his arm is about three times the size of Waititi's head. Mm -hmm. Like, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like every film that he's in, he just gets a little bit bigger. Which means they have to stop making four films sooner or later because his arms will fall off. Yeah. This film is the craziest thing I've ever done, and I'm honoured to bust my ass and have a nervous breakdown so you can all see it in May 2022. We shouldn't be encouraging directors to have nervous breakdowns. No. Make it December 2022. See if I care. Maybe that's what's I'm wrong. not going to see this movie is this story. Oh, no, you are. I'm not. But it's really wild. Michaela Strachan is in it. Yeah, okay. I was wondering. How, was far, wondering. how far we'll get before a really wild show reference is made. Okay, anyway. Did you know that Pet Cemetery is getting a, a prequel? No. Neither did I. I've just found this out. Is this linked to the Pet Cemetery that we saw? Well, I'm going to presume it's. Yeah, I don't think it's related to the 80s. When, yeah. So they're is, making a prequel that is starring Forrest Goodluck, Jack <laughs> yeah. Mulhern, Natalie Allen Lind, and Isabella Star LeBlanc. Okay. I don't know who any of these fucking people are. I feel like I recognise... Jack Mulhern and Forrest. Good luck. Okay, so Mayor of East Town actor Jack Mulhern. Mm-hmm. Forrest Goodluck, who is known for starring opposite Leo DiCaprio in The Revenant. Okay. Um, Big Sky actress Natalie Allen Lind. And newcomer Isabella Star LeBlanc. Okay. Um, so this isn't going to be a prequel where it's just about a family living together before they I find- guess it's about the first ever pets. Oh, that's a it's the secret life of Pet Cemetery. <laughs> I wanted it just to be like, ah, oh, this is that family who then lose their daughter just having a nice time before they move to that place. Forrest Goodluck was just in Cherry. And we know it's... Cherry's good because Paul told us. Paul hated it. I know. He'll never listen to this. <laughs> he might do. Um, okay. I mean... Who would have thought that was going to get a prequel? When you watch Pet Cemetery as our Stephen King head, uh-huh. did you go, oh, I really know, need to know what happened before this? Mm. Yeah. Like, do you think it missed out a lot of information from the book? I came out of that film with a lot of regret, Cemetery. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Shut it down. Shut down. We, we, we got it. Like, Can I'm we still recording, do you think? I'm just looking at my bingo card and... Mm-hmm. Yep, top prize goes to you for best joke. Okay. Um, what else we got? Henry Cavill. Sam he's Rockwell. He's a man. Bryce Dallas Howard. He's a man. She's a woman. <laughs> I thought you were saying he's the man. She's the man. She's the man. They're Great movie. A, they're making a sequel. Mm-hmm. Amanda Bynes, back again. Uh, Brian Cranston, Dua Lipa. 
Samuel L. Jackson, John Cena, Catherine O'Hara are all set for Matthew Vaughn's spy franchise. Franchise already. Wow. Already franchise. Argyle. It's a good cast. So, Matthew Vaughn has set an all-star cast for his next big-budget action project, which will start shooting this August in Europe, of all places. Oh, my God. Right Where? in the bloody corner. Where in Europe? Oh, tally how old chap. We're filming this scene in Europe. Oh, hello, Henry Cavill. Fancy seeing you here. It must be because you're in Europe. Top of the morning to you. We're in Europe. <laughs> Fucking hell. Anyway, Vaughn will direct and produce via his Marv banner. Uh, it will star Henry. It will star the people I just said. Yeah. Obviously. Um, I don't know why it's telling me the information again. I just read that bit. It's a good cast. Dua Lipa will make her acting debut on the project and will also provide original music for the title track and score. Thank you very much. Well, so I guess that's going to be like a pastiche of a Bond song. The the film based no they're actually just going to do physical again. Uh, <laughs> the film based on the soon to be launched spy novel Argyle from author Ellie Conway follows the world's greatest spy. So they're making the movie alongside them writing the book. Yeah, it's pretty incredible when you see this that like a book has been commissioned. It's a for girl a with all the gifts situation before a book has even come out. Like I get it if it's like oh this is a sequel to like mm. another book. So like when um, Lord of the Rings. What is <laughs> <laughs> like Lord of the Rings. What I was going to say They is, wrote that at the same time as making the film. They just didn't release the film for ages. <laughs> what I was going to say is the guy who wrote The Martian, when he wrote his yes. second book, that was commissioned before it even came out, but it was just people being like, oh, we know the, we know the Martian, we know this kind of style of writing. A bit like when Ready Player Two came out, they'd already commissioned that for a movie. Mm. But when it's a, a book that starts its own franchise or starts its own series, like, it's incredible that gets commissioned because you're putting a lot of faith in that being good. It's caught up in a globe globetrotting adventure, okay? Round Europe. Well, this is just confirmation, I think, that Cavill will not be Bond, because this is him yeah, going... He keeps well, doing projects where he's almost Bond. Yeah, so he's like, I don't care that I don't get to be Bond, I get to be almost Bond. But that doesn't carry the prestige, great DVD. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't carry the prestige of being Bond, no. Henry. Henry... You're being short-sighted. If you hadn't have done this, if you hadn't done Man from Uncle, Mission Impossible is different because you're kind of an antagonist there, yeah. and also you get to but load up your fists. He starts out as Bond and then becomes the antagonist. Uh, he starts out as Bond, but whenever you ever seen Bond with a stash, true. That's how you know he's not Bond. Only fake ones where he rips it off and he goes, "Ha ha! It was me the whole time. It's me, Roger Moore." <laughs> oh. And now I'll make an inappropriate joke with someone maybe a third my age. Here's a here's a joke that would not age well. He was so old during those films, and the women that he was put with were <laughs> yeah. so young. Where you're just like, I'm sure one of the plot lines was like a 16 year old skier. Yeah, was one of his conquests, and you're like. Roger. Jesus Christ, this guy's in his 50s. Put it in your pants, Roger. Calm down. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's set in America. Mm. Whoa. But that's not Europe. What? Yeehaw, we are in America. I didn't scroll down to the next line. America, London, and multiple locations across the world. That isn't Europe. We left Europe for a good reason. We're in Europe. Are we? Because last time I checked... I ain't European. I'm British. <laughs> British man. I'm British man. And I voted remain. <laughs> remain British. That's what that meant, right? <laughs> uh, so the movie will be the first of at least three films. At least three. 
Wow, that's they've a got lot. a real Fast and the Furious on their hands here. That's a lot of films. That's kind of a Hobbit. <laughs> that's a real Hobbit of a situation. Conway's debut thriller is scheduled to be published in a major launch in twenty two in twenty twenty two. Yeah, by Transworld Publishers Limited, a division of Penguin Random House. Has this person mm. ever written another book? <laughs> uh, no, it's debut thriller. Well, it might be David Thriller, but they might have written romantic comedies. Mm. They might have written instruction manuals for Bosch washing machines. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, It says here, Conway has previously written instruction manuals for Bosch washing machines. Okay, here we go. Um, Okay. So that's good. (laughs) Yeah. When I read this early draft manuscript, it felt like it was the most incredible and original spy franchise since Ian Fleming's books of the 50s. And they were James Bond! But he's not James Bond. This is going to be the new James Bond. Oh my god, this is... Argyle! (laughs) The names are... Guile. Ah. Because he's a pirate with a lot of... Yeah, he's a pirate spy. He's a gentleman pirate spy. Ah, Guile. Says here, we've spent nearly fifty million pounds of the budget on rum for the pirate. Uh, Marv is currently on in post on Tetris at the moment, uh, so that's very exciting. Marv have got a couple of exciting projects lined up. They got the Tetris movie, then they got Argyle, first of three films, first of three films about washing machines. <laughs> it's going to be very exciting. I can't wait. Uh, it's, it's exciting time. Can't it's an exciting time for spies. Can't wait. And kind of fitting that we're talking about that this week when we're going to be talking about a spy later on. I wonder who that could be. Um, oh, well, Cliff of the Big Red Dog had a trailer and obviously he's a spy. Yes. Um, because he was an allegory for the red menace of capital. Uh, sorry, communism. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> Cliff of the Big Red Dog yeah. symbolised the rise of communism. Okay. Mm-hmm. And why is he so big and friendly then? Because that's the impression that you get, uh, Dickie Barrett style. Uh, no one's going to get a Mighty Boss Tones reference. You know that. You know the only. You two, did the only two people in this world who will get that. That is a member of the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Mm-hmm. Are the two people who are recording this podcast? one hundred percent audience satisfaction right now. Then, as far as I can tell, there's just me and you in this room. <laughs> or did I miss the five thousand other people who don't know who the Boss Tones are? Anyway. <laughs> Uh, reason is, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's obviously not about communism. He's just a fucking red dog caught up in your life. Anyway, should we talk about that trailer? It looks stupid, Complex right? Complex But I'm gonna see that day of release. Um, it looks the, fun. There is a bit where he chases after a man in a zorb, mm-hmm. and it bounces off a tree, uh-huh. and he does a Wilhelm scream, and I was like, okay, I'm cool with this. Yeah, and then Z- Jack Whitehall speaks. And I'm like, oh no. He's already Ugh. spoken. He's already spoken. He spoke earlier. You made me watch the whole trailer because you were like, oh, but he's from America. And I was like, yeah, I know. I heard the voice at the beginning. It's fine. Yeah, like, whatever. I don't fucking care. I, I'm excited to see this stupid movie about a dumb red dog. Who grows because of magic. No, because of love. Yeah. Not but not because of magic. It grows because of how much you love it. Is love not a type of magic? Love is the worst kind of magic. <laughs> I went to watch a stage magician, and all he did was love. Uh, Greta Gerwig is directing the Barbie movie. So this is the one that Margot Robbie has now come into mm-hmm. to star and produce. So originally it was Amy Schumer, I Amy believe? Amy Schumer was originally starring. Margot, this movie's been in production for about five years now. Or in pre-production yeah. for about five years now. 
Um, but Greta Gerwig has now officially signed on to direct it. Um, mm. And I think she was co-writing it as well. Yes, co-writing it with Noah Baumbach. Very interesting. <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting movie because I don't know what this fucking thing is going to be. Yeah. But it's obviously not going to be a Barbie movie, but it's going to mm. be like the Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach take on a Barbie movie. Yeah. It's a very interesting It's going to be like a mumblecore movie about Barbie. It's I a- don't know if this is going to be good or terrible. It's a marriage story, but Barbie mm-hmm. is divorcing Ken. Mm-hmm. And Ken has to punch a hole in the wall at one point. It, I, I, I genuinely cannot understand what this is going to be. We find out that Ken's father is a piece of shit. <sighs> Look. But he has his own drama group, so it's fine. This is, uh, this is the cliff of the big red dog of toy movies. I'm excited. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. Um, it is an interesting mix of just parts that I don't know what, like, it's just, like they're putting a load of ingredients together, and I don't know what, what you're baking, mm. but we'll find out. Black Widow opened mm. well. Uh, 13.2 million in Thursday previews. So this was kind of one of the big litmus tests of whether the box office mm-hmm. is going to bounce back. And obviously, you know, the MCU is kind of the powerhouse of the box yeah. office for the last few years. So it's a good indication. I think the projections are about 80 million, which is about 10 million over what F9 did a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So they're anticipating a good, strong bounce back. It's, you know, it's also available on Disney Plus on premium rental or whatever yeah. it's called. So that's obviously something to consider. But if it does an 80 million box office in COVID era, I think that's probably okay for its opening weekend. And I guess the interesting thing will be, what does that look like as the weeks go on? Mm. Because Marvel movies have staying power. And what they found with Fast 9 is that doesn't re- that didn't really kind of mm. keep going. So but then again, I think that is a franchise that is on its wind down. Um, absolutely, but I guess this will really show then is the appetite for people to get back into the cinema still there? Mm. Um, because I think there is an appetite because people are going and is these films are making money and it's great to see like that. I mean, it's comparable because if you look at... So Spider-Man Homecoming did $15.4 million in previews. Mm-hmm. And that was obviously summer of 2019. That was pre-COVID. Um, Thor Ragnarok did 145 Ant-Man and the Wasp did 11.5 million in previews. So it's already beaten Ant-Man and the Wasp in terms of its previews. Yeah. And that's a film that came out during, you know, not a health crisis. True. Never know. Anyway, we'll speak more about that in just a second. But before we do, let's just talk very briefly about Don't Breathe 2. <laughs> this movie <laughs> looks dumb as fuck. So I don't know much about Don't Breathe. But um, you know the basic setup of Don't Breathe. It's some people break into a guy's house. No, no, no. You can't breathe. Oh. You go into the cinema, and it comes up on screen. It says, don't breathe. And says, you go, Hold your oh, breath okay. in free. And it's actually how I learned how to expand my lung capacity. I value <laughs> what that film taught me. I ended up breathing through my pores, not through my nose or mouth. Sorry, but it's like when you said how I learned how to expand my lung capacity. All I can think of was, is that a Doctor Strange love sequel? <laughs> Okay, yeah, I like that. Um, Yeah, so Don't Breathe is the story of three 
three bloody rascals who and break into scallions. an old man's house because they know that he's sitting on some cash. Mm-hmm. And guess what? He's blind, so he'll be the easiest rob in the world. Well, he's not. Uh-oh. Teresa Palmer just wanted to get her daughter out or whatever. Sister? Sister. Just wanted to get her sister out and save her from... And I think that it's in Detroit, and I think it gives a bad name to Detroit. <laughs> so, basically, he he has... He's got money. But he's he's so... He's, oh, he's, he's a frail blind he's, man, but he's also oh, a bad he's guy. he's not frail. Oh, you'd think he's frail. But isn't he a bad guy? He... You know what he did with the turkey baster? Yeah. He's a bad guy. So, this film pivots him to be a good guy? It's weird, isn't it? It's, you stick around long enough, you'll see yourself turn into the hero. It's kind of like, oh, we want to keep that guy. It's like when the raptors turned out to be good in Jurassic World. <laughs> but it's that thing of them being like, oh, we want to make a sequel, but he is our interesting USP. Well, like, get rid of him You've just got a story about three young kids who robbed the house. And by the way, spoiler alert, two of them die in the first film. What? <laughs> I was about to watch Don't Breathe. You really weren't. Don't tell me which ones. <laughs> Fine, I won't tell you that Teresa Palmer makes it out alive. No! Anyway, Don't Breathe 2. Yeah, it is pos- it's basically kind of like going, hey, what if more villains came but they were actually worse than the real guy the guys at the beginning of the mm-hmm. first one and actually they're kind of worse than the the old man oh yeah they have to be they have to be worse because like, oh, i become- think the one thing i've got to say about this is good for stephen lang oh he's having a great time good that he's found this late in his career question did he always sound like he'd just been punched in the throat yeah like, is that his whole thing? In, like, well, that might be the... Uh, well, I'm not going to say it, but that might be the something in his throat that's uh, oh, yeah, making that, him sound that way. That did happen. <laughs> like, I honestly, the only thing I know about Don't Breathe is yeah. what happens with a Hang on, I've given away the spoiler of Teresa Palmer gets out alive. He's got cum in his throat. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a spoiler. That's the only thing I know from Don't Breathe, and I learned that from Paul. It's such a, like, <laughs> it's it's one of those moments where you're like, you know what's going to happen from the moment you see the turkey base. You're like, yeah. at some point, that's going to be fucking used against him. <laughs> and then it happens, and you're just like, that's now the only thing this film is going to be remembered for. And it's true. It's the only thing I know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This film looks dumb. Oh. It's It looks like a retread of the old one. But will there be a callback to that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna watch this. Not even on the off chance there's like some fucking turkey based thing. <laughs> the tagline is like, "He's cleared his throat and he's coming for you." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get on with it. Oh yeah. Uh, reviews. So, do we want to start with recurring segment? Oh yeah, recurring segment. Looky Ludo. Yeah, you're really not. You're really not down for that theme tune, are you? That's all right. Um, so, yeah, since the last time we spoke, we've now watched episode four and five. And I think we were kind of cold on the series last time. I think the second episode I really liked. Um, mm-hmm. And we're now one episode from the end. Yeah. And I don't like this series. I don't think. I don't even know if it's like I don't like. I'm very cold. Mm-hmm. It, like, really cold. Like, I just don't feel like any excitement for. The next episode. Yeah. Um, like, we're going into a finale and I'm not... So, like, all the others, I've been kind of, like, positing theories and stuff with people. 
and you know, I had um, Jason message me yesterday, being like, "Oh, have you been catching up with this? Like, um, what do you think?" And I was like, mm. "My theory has been this the whole time, mm-hmm. but I also don't really care." Yeah, I think its main problem is I think its pacing is awful, uh-huh. like really bad, um, and. That really kind of slows stuff down and makes it a slog at times. Sure. And it speeds through other stuff. Um, the stuff that I still like is still great. I think the soundtrack is one of the best of any of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes the cinematography is great. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it is. There's just something about it that makes me go, yeah, I don't think I mean, I don't think I enjoy the mystery of it. Yeah. I don't think the mystery is that engaging. I don't really like the supporting cast all that much. Mm-hmm. You know, bar Owen Wilson, because Owen Wilson's great. Um, yeah, I think I just kind of want more from it. Mm. But I never really knew what this series was going in, and I don't think it really knows what it is. Yeah, I think that's true. Um... It feels like it's kind of, oh, well, we've got this popular character and we need to give him a series. What are we going to do with it? Well, we'll do this and it'll be the way we introduce this character into the MCU. Yeah. Uh, Okay, whatever. But, like, let's not think too much about how we actually get to that point. Let's just do funny sort of, Mm. oh, adventure of the week stuff. But then also, at the same time, this whole thing about this evil organization that exists and has not been mentioned once in this whole... Like, it, much like other things we might discuss today, it feels like a complete afterthought. <laughs> you said, you've said a couple of times now, it seems like bad Doctor Who. Yeah, and it still and does. I get that. Even now, even that last episode, I was like, well, this isn't... And don't get me wrong, there are some moments that I really like, like there's something that happens very visual... Um, in the fifth episode mm-hmm. uh, with Richard D. Grant's character um, and like visually I think it's really nicely done Yeah, and I felt something at that point I went okay that's great mm-hmm. but there's just not enough of it um, there's not enough of any of it mm-hmm. really to keep me engaged and mm-hmm. keep me going um, I'm watching it because I'll watch it. I'm basically a completionist. I'll watch it now. Um, but I think this, for me, is the weakest. Mm. And that's not going to be the same for everyone, because I know some people who absolutely adore this, yeah. and they think it's probably the best one. And that's fine. But for me, it just doesn't work. Mm. Um, and for you, I know it definitely doesn't work. No, I think it's terrible. Um, but yeah, yeah, score's nice, and the production design's nice. For the most part. Well, the, the TVA production design stuff's nice. The mm. other stuff's just CGI gloop. Um, <laughs> 10 out of 10 Loki skulls. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I give it a menagerie of animals all wearing little Loki horns. Nice, cool. I like it. Uh, right, let's move on. Uh, okay, so where do you want to start? Uh, should we start with Luca? Hey, guys, I've seen all three movies this week. I know. And I didn't. Isn't, I deliberately didn't watch another one this morning because I thought it was quite nice that we had a. Isn't it incredible that I have watched films? <laughs> uh, well, it's bulked out your list for the year. Finally, for sure. <laughs> Finally, uh, I've got some numbers on so, there. Luca, this is the latest from Pixar, uh, which is available on Disney Plus for no uh, extra charge. Um, so the story follows a sea monster or sea creature named Luca, mm. who lives off the Italian coast. And makes his way onto land. 
um, where he can disguise himself as a human. There is a change that happens so that when they are dry, these sea monsters have the appearance of humans, and when they get wet, they have the appearance of sea monsters. Um, And goes onto the land and discovers the majestic world of Vespers and decides that that is what he wants because he wants to see the whole world and he wants to see this world that's been hidden from Mm -hmm. him because he's always been told never to step foot on the surface because people wouldn't accept him for what he is. I think you're missing the important aspect of, like, it's not a film just about Luca. No. Um, Hello. Um, It's also about his friend Antonio. Alberto? Alberto. Um, You know, the story is very much about their friendship and their kinship and this, this other sea monster who's basically been living on land collecting human stuff mm-hmm. um them meeting in their friendship blossoming um and it's them who go together to this little italian town um i love this mm-hmm. i really like it i think so i found the animation really weird to begin with like i wasn't mm. really on board with it um i don't think it's in a way, the nicest looking. Um, I think some of the, the character models, I think, are ugly. Uh, yeah, uh, but I can understand why they look the way they do, because they're supposed to reflect the sea monsterness of them yes. on the land. Oh, no, but I mean, like, even, like, the human character models. Mm. I just don't... I didn't really like it. But then, actually, I just forgot about that. Like, so See, I really like the character design, so I find that interesting, because it feels like you're seeing... A lot of different types of people. Yes, and I. Whereas Pixar movies have sometimes used the same character models and then just sort of adapted them. Whereas these felt like it was a diaspora mm. of people. And I and I get that. And like, like I said, it was definitely a thing that, like at the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't really like that. But then, like as soon as I got into it, I completely forgot that, mm. um, and it became a nothing thing. Um, to the fact that I actually went, oh, but actually, like I really like the way this town looks. Mm-hmm. I really like the way that they do like underwater and lighting through that. Um, and actually, there is a, definitely a beauty behind all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I'm basically mean is it took me a little bit of time to warm to it. Yeah. But as soon as I did, I was like, oh, actually, I like this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the relationship between Luca and Alberto mm-hmm. is beautiful. Um, and is that real kind of young kinship that you have um, that really takes you back to being a child yourself? And when you find that like one kid that you just absolutely vibe with, mm-hmm. um, and like every moment of the day is like, oh, I want to spend it with this kid. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I think everybody experiences at least once mm-hmm. as a kid. Um, as a child, even if it's fleeting, you know, it reminds you of like, what it reminded me of is knowing you would go on holiday as a family Mm -hmm. and you'd go to like um, Haven. It's a holiday friendship. um, And you meet this kid and you know him for like a week, Mm -hmm. but he is the coolest kid you've ever met. And you spend that entire week together and he's your best friend. And then you never see them again. Mm. Um, But it reminded me of that kind of environment where it's like, oh, instant bond instant friendship like and that's what i loved i really mm. love that um about it but yeah i think it's well put together i think it's well written i think the 
stakes and jeopardy are there. I think it's hilarious at times. Like it has some really funny moments in it. Mm. Um, and yeah, I just had a grand old time. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I think it's. I think the. I mean, there's some really good detailed animation very early on when he first sets foot on land. Mm-hmm. Um, that looks almost photorealistic. Some of it. There's there's sort of grass movement that looks just incredible. Um, I don't think it necessarily has the impact of something like Soul or Inside Out. I don't think mm-hmm. it feels as heavyweight as something like that. I think it's it's for me it's more disposable Pixar, but that's yeah. still you know that's still better than ninety percent of movies for me. <laughs> and it you know it feels like it's not you know it's not down there with things like Good Dinosaur, but it's it's oh, not a Soul. Like it's not dinosaur. Inside Out. Um, Good Dinosaur is fine. <laughs> Good Dinosaur is nothing more than fine. Um, but yeah, I think you know, I think they do a good job. I think some of the um, some of the actual sort of uh, design of the town is really nice, and yeah, I think it just it's it's, it's nice and family friendly, and sort of feels like it scratches that itch that. Mm. And I know that some people didn't get that itch scratched by Soul, and I wonder if this will work better for them as a family movie than Soul. Maybe, it. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I would recommend it's available on Disney Plus for free now. And... Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. Like, like I said, I had a lot of fun. I think it's got a lot of heart to it as well, um, and I quite liked it. Um, like it was a pleasant watch. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to do next? We talk Tomorrow War, and we'll end up okay. Black Widow. So the Tomorrow War. This is. Uh, directed by Chris McKay from a screenplay by Zach Dean, starring Chris Pratt, uh, amongst a host of others. Uh, sci-fi action where a family man is drafted into fight in a future war where the fate of humanity rests on oh their success. God. Um. So yeah, uh, the, the basic premise is soldiers from the future come back 30 years to 2022 uh, to tell people that they need to recruit them to fight in this future war because against these alien threats. Um, and only certain people can go because of time paradoxes and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and Chris Pratt is drafted to fight in the Tomorrow War. Oh, my God. Um that's it. That's that's yeah. the story. Yeah, and then he they're, goes into the future, and they have to fight these, and big they have to fight aliens. aliens. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here where yeah, you've seen some of these things before in other movies. It's a bit Independence Day. Mm-hmm. It's a bit Looper at one point. Yep. Uh, it's a bit. Uh, what's the other movie that I was thinking? It feels like Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers, exactly right. Um, but I would say it does a pretty good job of borrowing from those things. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a... I don't think it... It doesn't do anything revolutionary. No. And it doesn't reinvent the wheel. But then again, it doesn't do anything where you go, oh, this is just a really poor pastiche of those movies. Mm-hmm. I think it does it to a competent level, and you think, okay, this is fine. I still have issues because I don't think Chris Pratt is a particularly engaging lead. Hmm. Uh, okay. I think he's very forgettable and bland in this, but I think that in most of his movies. Um, I think Guardians is kind of the only thing where I felt like, oh, this gets him. 
Okay, yeah. That's the franchise that I'm like, okay, I'm fine with it. Because I've always felt in Jurassic World, I'm just like, between him and Bryce Dallas Howard, I'm just like, these are two (laughs) central characters I couldn't give a shit about. And here I just kind of felt like, he's just generic movie man here. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. He's not a Tom Cruise type, Mm -hmm. and that's a shame. But, you know, who is? Not many people are. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, there there is a way of, of borrowing those cliches and using them that make them feel cheaper than they are. And this, I think it avoids those pitfalls. Yeah. I think, you know, it hits the action pe- action beats that you expect a movie like this to hit. Mm. Um, and the one thing I said to you afterwards that I think is really important to highlight is this is a film that has alien creatures in it. And the alien creatures look real. Yeah. They have some weight to them. They have um, a style of movement. They have um, kind of attacks that they use that seem like they are deadly. Mm. Um, and the main thing is, is they look like they could be something that is real and tangible there on set. Well, there's an interesting parallel to draw about this. And because this started out up until it was completed and held, it's a Paramount project until mm-hmm. Amazon then bought it off them. And it's interesting that Paramount, I think, have, between this and Quiet Place, have done that thing quite similarly with this and that, where they've put a lot of thought into what these monsters are, how they operate, how they move, how they carry themselves. And I was thinking that in relation to A Quiet Place Part 2, because there's some monster action in there where you get some of that same vibe that the white spikes Mm -hmm. give you in this. And I think that's kind of interesting that, both of those Paramount movies seem like they've spent a lot of time really going for, we want to make our alien menace, our mm. monsters, a proper threat. 100%. Like, they they are almost horror yeah. aspects to the White Spikes in this. Um, and the thing is, is if you get your creature design correct, you have won most of your battle in a film like this. Because mm. if your creature design is bad or it doesn't look like it's there mm-hmm. like you know you can have a good creature design but if it doesn't look like it actually is interacting with its environment it makes the film worse yeah so if you have something that looks like it's actually there and actually real you've kind of won your battle because you could have all your generic action beats because yeah. it looks like they're fighting something and even in scenes where there's hundreds of these things and swarms of them you still think actually maybe these things are actually there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that for me was kind of what made this from what could have been a, oh yeah, this is just an action flick to, I quite enjoy this. Like, mm. I think it's actually fun. Uh, I think there are moments that are, like you said, very much by the numbers. And I've seen this a million times. And there's a third act where you know exactly where it's going and what's going to happen. Yeah, um, And even like steps that you kind of roll your eyes out of how they get there. But you forgive that for the fact that it actually, it's better than it could have been. Yeah, and, and I think, I'm willing to forgive. Uh, I'm willing to forgive a lot of action films. I think what's what's nice is that there is a, um, there is an ensemble cast who do good work in here. You know, J.K. Simmons isn't in it for a huge amount of time, but he's good in the role that he's cast. Yeah. you know, he knows how to do that role, and he carries it off well. You know, Betty Gilpin doesn't have a huge amount to do, but she does that stuff still as good as you would expect her to do. Sam Richardson is the MVP mm. of the movie, really. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, he carries a lot of, you know, 
as the primary comic relief, it kind of feels like he's got a lot of work to do, but he carries it off really well. I'd like to see him in more films like this. Well, I think he will be. And I think we're we're now... It seems like we're now at a point where he's getting a lot of work in similar types of movies where he's now the comic relief in more serious stuff Mm -hmm. as well. And it feels like he's maybe growing into that role alongside doing sort of rom-coms and, and, you know, smaller sort of supporting characters. Um, But, you know, even people like Edwin Hodge, who plays the sort of the veteran, he's really good in this. Yeah. Um, And I, you know, I think he carries off that sort of, mean guy who's been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I think he does that pretty well. And also, there's a reason for him being there that I yeah. kind of went, okay, yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like what they've done there. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's not it's not original. Um, no. You know, it has it has a different idea, um, you know, this whole Future Wars, stuff like that. So it's basically like an old car with a new lick of paint. Yeah. Um, but actually, it's still a decent drive. Mm. Um, I quite like this. I'd say if you're looking for an action film, I recommend it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 all right. I'd say. I mean, for me, it's a that or do pig. It falls straight down the middle. It does what it needs to do. It doesn't do anything spectacular, but mm. it doesn't do anything particularly egregious to me either. So for that, you know, hundred percent. Out of the two action movies I saw this week, it's the better one. I'd watch this one again. Yeah, like to the point that like. I'm, I know my parents have got Amazon Prime. I might just say to my dad, Dad, throw that on. You might enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, right, finally then, Black Widow. So this is the much delayed, uh, officially supposed to be the kickoff of the Phase 4 of the MCU, remember? Yes. Um, and also it made me think about the fact that I'll talk to you afterwards. <laughs> okay. Because it, it gives something away. <laughs> okay. Uh, ooh, only the number nine movie on IMDb this week. Ooh. Tomorrow War's number one. Yes. Spoonman made it. Anyway. Um, Another reference only for two people in so this Black, Black Widow. Uh, so this is a, a solo, parentheses. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of solo. Yeah, I would say it's it's a solo movie. That just so happens to then turn into a new Avengers movie. Uh, <laughs> it's it's another Avengers movie, kind of, when you think about it. Kind of. New Avengers, different Avengers, different flavor Avengers, not original lineup. <laughs> original parts. Uh, what's the fucking thing from the Fast and Furious movie I'm thinking new, of? New model, new original model? parts. Yeah. That's it. Ah, but it's different. Um, so this fills in some gaps in terms of Scarlett Johansson's character, Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff. Romanoff? Uh, in terms of her backstory, mm-hmm. uh, stuff that's been hinted at and also explored, and also maybe explored in different ways, and then retconned for this movie slightly. I think mm-hmm. there's some stuff that I think maybe doesn't quite line up with stuff we already knew, but okay, that's fine. I think that's all fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about so it. So this fits between this fits between Civil War and Infinity War. Yeah, um, and then has various different flashbacks that give you a bit of information about where she's come from and what she's done, you know, and, you know, tells some anecdotes about things that have happened in between. Yeah. Which is, you know, a fun way of exploring action. Anecdotes. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot about kind of what made Natasha who she is and how she's gone to put right things she's done in the past. Yes, making amends, confronting her past and 
basically tying up all the loose ends. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, we, we've not got Scarlett Johansson going forward, so we might as well do something now. Yeah. Um, so this film was obviously meant to come out last March, April mm-hmm. time, I think, last April. Uh, got delayed. Now available on in cinemas and also on Disney Plus as a premium rental. Yeah. Um, so that's where it. you can find it. We we watched it at home, premium rental, so we didn't see it on the big screen. However, I feel like we still got... I got enough of the experience. Like, I don't think I would have... I don't think it would have made a huge amount of difference for me to see it on a bigger screen. I mean, don't play your cards close to your chest. Say what you mean, man. Look, I don't think it's a good film. Uh, so... So here's here's my issue with it is that yeah. your cast is Scarlett Johansson, who's you know a a great actor and has done some good work. Mm. I think her work in Avengers and the sort of MCU stuff is fine. I don't think she's ever been given anything more than sort of supporting information. Like she's never felt like until Civil War, I guess, was the first time she felt like she was a part of the story. But even yeah. then, she was used as a plot device more than anything else. And it kind of felt like she's never really been given the time to shine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got Florence Pugh, who's very good in things. Yep. David Harbour, who a lot of people love. <laughs> I think he's good in the first season of Stranger Things. And then, you know, I think fame's gone to his head. <laughs> Hellboy was bad. That's what I mean. Rachel Weisz, she's great. Uh-huh. Ray Winston. I mean, she's hardly Ray in Winston. <laughs> so here's, here's my issue. Number one, the accents are all over the place for everyone. There is one accent in here. Well, there's one who is just Ray Winston, but he's not Russian, but sometimes he tries to be. But David Harbour is not consistent. Florence Pugh isn't consistent. Rachel Weisz isn't consistent. Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting there going, just speak in English. You were all speaking in perfect English accents at the beginning of the movie. I'm not going to mind if you drift back into that. Yeah. And just let me have the idea that, fine, whatever. you. Why would you speak both? During the same scene. Okay. It doesn't make any sense to me, and I don't like that. Particularly because your Russian accents aren't as good as they need to be. If you want to play Russians, cast Russians. There are Russian actors. I did think that with the Ray Winston thing of being like, okay, if you've got this guy and he's like a foreboding Russian, I'm pretty sure you could find one of those Well, he's the most annoying because he's never led a double life. That's obviously the frustrating (laughs) part. Yeah, okay. I I get that. So... That stuff, whatever. Don't like it. Okay. The next stuff, it just... The whole film feels like an afterthought. Mm -hmm. It feels just like, oh, well, we've killed her off, so we've got to have to find a way to make it feel like she's had a satisfying storyline at least once. Yeah. So we'll give it to her here. Because this is a film that should have happened long before... Like, ten years ago. It it feels like a film that has come so many years too late that I am past caring. Okay. Because I thought we'd got rid of this character. (laughs) This is the thing, is that with MCU, we know that in the MCU, no one's ever dead, really. Mm. But then you're told, oh, no, but this one's actually dead. And then two years later, oh, here's a solo movie. What the fuck is this about? Yeah. You told me she was dead. Um, and I, I do wonder whether that is part of what plays into this film, feeling like it has no real stakes in it, is the fact that you know... There's a sky base. Well, you know that... That's cool. Sky bases are cool. I mean, it looks pretty cool. Like, I think you know what I think it looks like. I think. Do you ever see Deep Horizon? Deep Water Horizon. Horizon. Yeah, yeah. I saw the trailer. Oh, I saw the film. 
Well, it looks like oh, that. Way to one up me. <laughs> it looks like that, but not in the water. Um, in the air. Yeah, and I I feel like there's. I've seen deep blue sea. It looks like that. In there's the that air. element. I get that reference. Um, I get. The, um, the stakes are limited because you know what happens to Black Widow after this. Yeah, you know that like her growth comes really in those two Avengers movies Mm -hmm. and we see the culmination of that in Endgame but also that means we know she survives past this film Mm. so how do you provide stakes to a character you know exists beyond this point and you know another one survives through the end of the film because they've got to be the new her Um, so stuff that I like Um, okay here we go I liked Florence Pugh in this because I think Florence Pugh is just really good um, in everything. And I think, weirdly, for a Black Widow movie, all of the emotional heft is just given to her. Mm-hmm. Like, she gets all of the growth in this film. Mm-hmm. She gets all the emotion. And there's some nice stuff between her and... So between um, Yelena, I think her name is, mm-hmm. um, and um, Natasha, there's some really nice kind of like sibling moments between those two. Mm-hmm. Um and there's some comedy in there, although it's very fleeting and it isn't always, it doesn't always hit the mark. But there's some nice stuff between them. Um, and I do like some of the character stuff. Mm-hmm. But it does drag. Yeah. The whole film drags. It's like pulling a stone behind you because it just feels like it's really trying to kickstart and not really going anywhere. Mm. Um, I think some of the action work. Um, some of it doesn't. <laughs> I realise like my positives are all coming with caveats, um, but okay. like some of the action works. Um, my favourite action scenes were the ones that made you jump, which happened like three times. Well, just like there's no need to just make it that loud. <laughs> um, I at one point I was surprised by lights. <laughs> true okay so i'm also going to put it down to the fact that i maybe felt like i was tired last <laughs> night so it jolted me out every time there was a loud change in noise um i get jump scares what... aren't good in anything no even if it's in this i just like you keep going because i i don't want to get into my thoughts anymore we'll get into them in a second we'll no see. no it's fine i, I get what it. they've done with taskmaster yeah. Um, and I understand what they've done with that character. I'll tell you now, a lot of men are very upset about this. Like, I, I like... I've, I've seen on Twitter, there is fury. I like it for what it is. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like you're wasting that character, mm-hmm. in a way, mm. because of the way the film unfolds. Mm. I feel like you're kind of wasting what that character could do mm. and the potential that character has. I get it for this film. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense, and I kind of go, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish we had more of it, because mm-hmm. I do think that, like, the appearances are fleeting of Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of what we see from that character is in the trailers. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't really get much more than that. Um, and as a villain, like, um, your, your kind of main protagonist, antagonist is shown to you, I don't think it's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of wanted more mm. and I think you the thing is with a character like that you can do so much more mm. as well and you can be really interesting how do you beat somebody who can 
perfectly mimic your fighting style and kind of see how you fight mm. um, beforehand. Um, and yeah, that's just another kind of layer of kind of like, uh, oh, I wish this was better. And I think that's kind of what I got a lot from this film, just like, oh, I, I, I don't mind what I'm seeing, but I wish it was better. Mm. Like, I wish this was something else. Mm. Because it echoes two things like Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of like Winter Soldier was this spy espionage movie that really lent into that and did that really well and is still my favorite of all of the MCU movies and I think it it man that manages to balance the kind of spy and the spy aspects with the action really well mm-hmm. and you kind of go oh yeah this just reminds me that Winter Soldier exists and I think actually everything you're trying to do here was probably done better in that. Mm. Um, yeah. What else do you have to say? Like, what else? You, you well, I think on Taskmaster, I never got the impression it was going to be the primary antagonist no. because it felt like it was a bad fit for this movie. Mm. Because it's like, well, if that's the character, and my knowledge of the character is only what you've ever told me, but it didn't make sense that Taskmaster would be the primary antagonist because what's the point in just putting them in a solo movie where you're not getting to see a load of different skills on show? Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense. But at the same time, that character could well come back in a team-up movie now and, you know, that then, you know, you've then got the maybe. ability to showcase it. Not maybe. They definitely have the ability <laughs> to do that. We know that. But it doesn't make any sense why you would put that character in here if... I don't know, you know, put in henchmen, it's fine. Yeah. I I couldn't give a shit. I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> All I know is I don't care about any of them. Um, for me, I just don't think anything worked in it. And I think even the stuff that was the sort of human stuff, the, the, mm-hmm. the dramatic heft of the movie, didn't work for me in the slightest. And I was just thinking, well, if that's what this is failing to do, and this is the thing that it's trying to lean into, because I don't think it's trying to be a spy movie first and foremost. I think it's trying to be a drama about dealing with your past first and foremost. And it happens to be set against a backdrop of there is this weird organization that runs the world. But, you know, I've seen a bunch of films about those kind of organizations. Mm -hmm. They don't always try and build in this family drama about confronting your mistakes and confronting... You know but this, the mistakes you've made in but your this past. Is what I mean, like, and if that's the case, Winter Soldier is about a um, a shady corp- corporation that is secretly running the world, but it's also about confronting your past mm. um, at the same time. But um, I don't think. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Winter Soldier because I don't think it's a particularly good spy thing either. Mm-hmm. Which is the thing that everyone always said to me was like, as a spy movie, it's great. And I was like, mm, as a spy movie, it's fine. As an MCU movie, I think it's good because it's better than yeah. 90% of the MCU movies. But for me, that is a low bar to pass. <laughs> this, Black Widow, isn't. Mm-hmm. And is worse than 90% of the MCU movies. It's no Thor The Dark World, but very few films can hope <laughs> for that. Um, look, I mean... Did I have fun with it? Absolutely not. Would I watch it again? No. I I probably didn't want to watch it in the first place and yet <laughs> ended up doing it. So, yeah. Um, I mean, what? Is it a would recommend? No. Is it a that'll do pig? It feels like it's an MCU movie. So, in that regard, yes, I suppose that'll do. Yeah, it's the it's first it one. It doesn't feel like it's not an MCU movie. It's the first one in a while for me that's just felt 
fine. Um, and it might grow on me in time, and I might come back to it and watch it again and be like, okay, yeah, that grows on me now, like, going back to it. But at the moment, it's just fine. And I, I think last time I felt like that was Ant-Man and the Wasp. Hmm. And that's probably because that film also felt inconsequential to the entire thing. Yeah. Um, because just setting these films kind of like in the middle of... But then very consequential, remember, because the well, things he, he learned in that movie... True. But, you know, you needed that film to kind of then have a moment. And mm. this almost feels like, oh, this is a film that we're trying to wrap up Natasha's story and not really doing it wonderfully well. But also at the same time, we need to set up a few things for the future... And that feels heavy-handed. And you go, oh, if you just focus on maybe one of them, probably, you know, focus on Natasha, giving Natasha a proper send-off. Um, but also, you've done that. That's the problem. The problem I come back to is this film feels like it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, a lot of people say, oh, so you don't want that character to have a solo movie. No, I'm fine with her having a solo movie, but have a solo movie while she's still a relevant part of yeah. what's going on. Because now, it does feel like an afterthought, and it feels like... It's just a cast off of just, oh, well, people have been asking for this film, so we may as well give it to them. Oh, when will we do it? After she's dead. Yeah, and I, I 100% get what you're saying there. Um, the only other thing I wanted to kind of comment on, and I don't know whether this actually has any effect or not, mm. is this is the first Marvel movie I have ever think I've ever seen since maybe Iron Man, um, not on the big screen right? as my first viewing. I don't know if that had any effect. Um, but, you know, it's not like I was... You know, it's not like I'm watching it as like a background thing. I was paying full attention to it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like I'm phone scrolling while watching. Yeah. Um, I just feel like it struggled to keep my attention at times. Well, I think it's because it's basically an uninteresting story. <laughs> because it's stuff that's already been covered... And then you're filling in the gaps, and it relies on you wanting to see a lot of the stuff that happens. And the problem is, no one's been clamouring for all of this. But isn't it great that we finally learn what happened in Budapest? Yeah, we didn't get to see it, and that was the thing that was always teased (laughs) to you, was that you would eventually get to see those adventures. And also, it seems a lot less exciting than than what we all hoped. Yeah. The thing is... I'm pretty sure it was like, we hid for 10 days. We did something and then hid for 10 days. Yeah. We hid in an air vent in a train station. <laughs> wow. Invite me to your next dinner Ooh-wee. party. Jesus Christ. You're right. Budapest was wild. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a that'll do pig. I think if a, you like Marvel movies, this will probably be a Marvel movie. I think it's a that'll do pig for me as well. Um, like, Wow, I've gone high. It's, it is fine. And that's the thing. Like, I didn't like it. In terms of my list of the year, like it's in the bottom half, like for me. For me, like for instance, compare this to the Tomorrow War, right? Tomorrow War is a derivative movie in terms of it borrowing a lot of stuff from other things. To be fair, this does the same thing. This does it, and I'm bored by it. Whereas sure. the Tomorrow War did it, and I was kind of interested by it. Yeah, I, I think the I think the setup of the Tomorrow War is interesting to hold my attention and. Sam Richardson is good enough to... Like, he is the star of that show. Whereas here, I was just going, I don't care. I don't care about any of you. And, yeah. like, I like Florence Pugh. I couldn't give a shit about her in the MCU. I, I, like, it just feels like 
I feel like she's wasted. Like I said, for me, it, it is. Because the fun. script is nowhere near good enough. Uh, and it might be one that grows on me grows on me going forwards. But for A real me, darkness situation. <laughs> you're, you're, you're really hitting out of the park. We're, te- these, we're testing the audience of patience because this is a long pod. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew it was long at about 20 minutes in when we hadn't even got on to news. <laughs> um, but yeah, that'll do, Pig, for me. Um, well, I didn't think we'd have the same wreck, but then again, I knew that you didn't enjoy it that much. So, yeah, I'm t- surprised that we've both gone for that or do pick. I'll watch it again. Could I give it a would not recommend? I mean, I wouldn't want to watch it again, but I know MCU. Fans I will would. watch this. You again. know what? Caveat, caveat, caveat. We love a caveat. Caveat. caveat on the show. If you like MCU films, this is probably going to be fine. This um, is probably going to be. It won't be your favorite. This is, you know this how I say... This somebody's favourite. No, no, no. You know how I always say, every film is somebody's <laughs> favourite film. This film isn't. This film is nobody's favourite film. Um, I will watch this again before the end of the year. And I, what? Because, you know... Why? Because I'm, I'm a Marvel guy. Yeah, but why would you watch it again by the end of the year? No one's putting that time pressure on you. Because I want to see it again and fresh at some point. But no one's... No one's telling you you have to. You can watch this any time that you like. But I will. But why by the end of the year? Why put that parameter because on? Because then I could maybe... Why becomes my favourite film of the year? <laughs> you know what? I hope that it does become your favourite film of the year. And then we come back to this and I'm embarrassed by what I've been saying. No, only because I've already seen it so I know that I, you know, I don't have to watch it again. <laughs> um, but yeah, let us know what you think are... Black all of these movies. Yes, yeah, watch them all. They're all available. I mean, Black Widow less so available, but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, watch them all. They're all available. Come back to us and let us know how's the best way for them to contact us and bring us your receipts for the premium rental because we'll know if you haven't watched it. <laughs> Fucking, they're always trying to come in here and be like, "Oh, I definitely watched it." Well, where's your receipt then? If you have watched it though, let us I actually know. don't have a receipt uh, for that. They don't send an email copy um, by contacting us. Best way on Twitter at dinosaurman15. All day. Uh, that's where we'll All probably night. respond. I man it at night. <laughs> I man it only. I actually just turn my phone off at night. That's when I man it. <laughs> um, but that's the best way to contact us. We're Dinosaurman Podcast pretty much everywhere. Um, so wherever you want to find us, you can. Give us a subscribe. Send it to your mates. Tell them to listen. Be like, hey, guys, you need to listen to this. Like, you won't believe what they say at minute 72. I think that's a bit where I said... Come, it's in his throat. <laughs> Why, it's a Good that one. I said it again. <laughs> uh, thank Thanks you for hosting. John, thank you, John Deezus, for the song. Thank you for hosting. You're welcome. And guys, until thank next... Thank you for hosting. Thank you. Until next time. Train carriage. Fishmonger. Ice storm. Is, is this I'm activating is... the Winter Soldier. Okay. I'm glad you went for that and not for a third round of... <laughs> What he has in his throat. Ice storm. (laughs)